Good morning, everybody. It's lovely to be back, uh, except for the weather. <laughs> it was, we just got back from uh, New Zealand, and it was great because we were getting updates on the weather here, and uh, we were over there. So when we left, it was 40-some degrees, and then the day after we left, like, the pass got shut down, and it dropped down to, like, zero, and, and so we're over there, and it was only 80 degrees, and the sun was shining, and it was beautiful, and this, this, it was lovely. So I was praying for you all in your misery, but uh, <laughs> it was really weird. So then, the, like the day we get back, it goes back up to 40. So we missed all of it, but then we had a few days of that nice the snow before it gets all nasty. So that was really nice. So we got we got the snow without having to pay for the cold, which was really good. But New Zealand was wonderful. Uh, we went over there to visit uh, my son Stephen. He's with uh, Youth with a Mission over there, and he's doing great. It's been fun to watch and uh, hear from him on how God's working through him and using him over there, and uh, that was really cool. And then uh, we ended up uh, seeing him the first day we were there, and then the rest of the time we were with uh, friends of ours of uh, 30 years, and um, they were great, great people. We had a lot of fun with them. It was, it was awesome because they, they planned everything. We just showed up, and they are like, go here, go here, sit in the backseat of the car. They drove us everywhere. They bought all the tickets, They just everything. It was, I, I literally did not know where I was at times or what day of the week it was. I was just eating food and drinking coffee and, and desserts, and it was lovely. So it's an excellent time. We had really, really enjoyed it. So I uh, highly recommend, even if you're not into the Lord of the Rings, which is what uh, you know, New Zealand is really known for in, in, in modern culture, but beyond that, it's just a beautiful country. You, know, you picture the rolling hills in green. You see those pictures with sheep everywhere. That's New Zealand. There's just, they're everywhere sheep and cattle everywhere, and once again, it was really beautiful, but if you get a chance to go, I would highly recommend it, and uh, one of the things I, uh, I think I mentioned this a few weeks ago, uh, talking about travel, but it's really neat to go and, and hear about the church, and, and what's happening in the church over there, and, and so uh, Steve, uh, my friend, um, so there's Steve, who's my friend, and then Steven, who's my son, so, uh, but Steve and his wife, Leslie, they pastor a church over there, about, I don't know, they're about 200, 250, and uh, it's really neat to listen to him talk, and uh, one of the things uh, about just being part of the body of Christ is it doesn't matter which culture you go to or where you go on the planet, it's the same God. It was really neat to hear them and how they're worshiping Jesus and, and uh, you know, how they're processing, uh, trying to engage with culture. And as we've been talking about this month, um, you know, living in exile, also listening to how it is difficult to be a Christian and to serve uh, New Zealand is actually in the top 10 of the most non-religious countries in the world. So 46% of people in New Zealand say that religion has no reference or no importance to their life at all. 46%. And uh, that's a lot of people. Um, the, uh, and that, that includes all religions. It's not just talking about Christianity. That's just religion, period. They're basically like 46% of the people say religion is irrelevant. So in their context, when they're really trying to speak to culture, when they're really trying to connect with people, it does really feel like it's a, you know, you're, you're crying out to a large group of people who look at what you're saying and go, eh. And that makes it really hard. And that's kind of what we've been talking about in, in the last few weeks. We've been talking about living in exile. The idea that uh, we are, as Christians, we're not home. And uh, even if you think that, uh, you know, we're doing pretty good or, our nation is doing pretty good or is leaning maybe towards God or not towards God, wherever, it doesn't matter. We're not going to be truly home until Jesus comes back again. When he comes back again, he's going to put everything right. 
and that we messed up since the fall, and it'll all be right, and then we will truly be home. Then we will truly see him face to face, and it's in that moment we will no longer be exiles in any way, shape, or form. We will actually be living in the presence of God, and I'm excited about that day, (laughs) really looking forward to it. Some days I'm like, hey, I could probably eke out a few more. I'd like to see my, maybe my great-grandkids. That'd be kind of cool, and other days I'm like, okay, let's, (laughs) now, anytime, (laughs) hit the easy button, God, we're out of here. I don't know if you guys feel like that, but that's kind of where I'm at. But his timing is his timing. So until then, we are living in this place of exile. And so we've been talking this month about what it means to live in exile. How do we do that? Um, And uh, we started out by looking at the scripture in Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a prophet in the Old Testament, and he was speaking from Jerusalem to the exiles who were in in Babylon. And uh, he tells them this. He tells them to get married and build houses. He tells them to plant gardens. Basically, when you're in exile, increase. When you're in this place where it's a hostile environment, I don't want you to decrease. I want you to increase. I want you to prosper. And then in Jeremiah 29, 7, he says, Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city which I have carried you into exile. Pray for it. Uh, pray, pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. So he's saying, not only do I want you to increase, I want you to seek the prosperity of the city and the people in that city who are holding you captive. You are their servants. You are their slaves. You can't leave. You are in exile, but I still want you to increase. I still want you to bless. I still want you to pray for and prosper this community. And so we've been talking about that. And then we moved on to talk about another guy, uh, Isaiah. Um, he was a prophet. He was actually in exile, and, uh, and uh, he was there at the time. And he writes in Isaiah 49 talking about the call of Israel and how he's feeling like, I'm not even sure if I'm fulfilling the call or if we as a nation are fulfilling our call to be a blessing. And also about his own personal call. And so in Isaiah, we started reading through, and uh, the scripture, the first one we talked about was, um, uh, he made my mouth like a sharpened sword. This is Isaiah 49.2. So that was the idea that we serve we serve our community, we seek the prosperity of our community through the declaration of the Word of God. And Pastor Joe did that a couple weeks ago. Talked about the Word of God and that being, you know, the, the eternal Word of God is Jesus. But then we have the written Word of God too. And so that declaration of the Word, uh, when it talks about the sharpened sword in Isaiah's mouth, Scripture also talks oftentimes about relating the, the Word of God to a sword. In Ephesians six seventeen, it says, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. It's talking about armoring up and getting ready, you know, to do a spiritual, to be, you know, spiritual battle. Hebrews 4.12, it says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So the word of God, the word, and the written word of God, they're meant to transform us. And so part of seeking the prosperity of a community, part of blessing a community, is to allow ourselves first to be transformed by Jesus. And then, and only then, do we go out and we speak truth to our community. Because they need to hear it. They need to hear the word of God. They need to hear about Jesus. They need to hear the gospel, which is good news. So Pastor Joe talked about all of that. Then we were talking, Isaiah says uh, in verse uh, 49, verse 3, he said to me, you are my servant Israel, in whom I will display my splendor. So that was Pastor Joe talking last week. Uh, he talked about worship. And this is the idea of uh, we serve by making Jesus visible. 
This is the character and the heart of Jesus. So how do we reflect his glory? How do we show, um, you know, when people look at us, how do they see Jesus? Well, we worship him because worship transforms us into him. Or not into him, but into his likeness. Um, 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And we all whom with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So we spend this time contemplating his glory, and we think about who he is, we think about what he's done, and we're continually communing with him throughout the day. And then another aspect of worship is coming here on a Sunday morning and being together and doing what we just did. We sing praises to the Lord, and we listen to the word, and we fellowship. That's all acts of worship. And when we do that, we get transformed. So this idea of worship is that he is the object of our worship because he's the only one truly worthy of all our worship. Worship transforms us. When we trust in him first and foremost, it changes us. When we obey him, it changes us. When we gather together and glorify his name, it changes us. And that's that serving our community by being changed by him so that when people look at us, they don't see us, they see Jesus. So that was last week. So now this week, the third thing that we do, third way that we seek the prosperity and serve our city, is we serve Yakima by being a light in our city. And this is the hands and feet of Jesus. So we allow the word to shape us, and we allow worship to transform us, and then it doesn't stop there. So you can think about it like, um, well, let's read the scripture first. In Isaiah 49, 6. He says, this is God speaking to Isaiah. And he's talking about his call, about what I want you to do as an individual, but also as the people of Israel. He says, it is too small of a thing for you to be my servant, to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. What he's saying is, I just don't want you to work on, you know, connecting with the people of Israel. That's too small of a thing. I want more. God wants more. We sang a song earlier that he is jealous He is jealous for me. God's jealous. He wants all of us. He wants all of us to know him. So he says to Isaiah, I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. So he's saying, I want you to be a light. I want you to be a light to everyone. I want the nation of Israel to be a light to everyone. Jesus wants all of us to connect with him. He wants all of us to know him in in a saving way. So we're, but we're more than just image bearers. So if you look at the first two, you know, we can let the word of God transform us and we can speak the word. We can, through worship, you know, uh, become more and more like him and reflect him. So when people look at us, they see Jesus. But he wants more than that. It's more than just this passive thing. He wants us to actually go out and actively be a light. That's something what we actually go out and do. That's not passive. That's going out and being a light. I want you to be a light to the Gentiles. So what does this look like? We are called to radiate his glory. Matthew 5, 14 through 16 says, You are the light of the world. This is Jesus. He's talking to his disciples. He's talking to us. You are the light of the world. And the reason Jesus can say that is because he is the light of the world. So he's kind of commissioning us, right? So ultimately, he is the light. We understand that. So when he's saying, you are the light of the world, that means I want you to go reflect my light to the other people. You're not the one who's going to save them. But I'm going, to, I'm going to show my glory through you. That's what he's asking us to do. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on 
uh, its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. So as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, we allow the word to change us. We allow worship to transform us, and we become more and more like Jesus, so we reflect him. But then we don't just hunker away. We don't just hide away. We are called to say, hey, here I am. <laughs> and when we say, here I am, we're saying, here is Jesus. We're, we're, in, we're called to go out. We're called to allow that light to shine in our community, to the people around us. It's not just so that we can build and silo up in these nice little Christian communities and hide away. And, you know, like, we're transformed and we're blessed and we're enjoying the presence of the Lord. Nope, it's not enough. <laughs> he wants us to go. He wants us to go and connect with people around us. Let your light shine. Our verse, uh, uh, excuse me, Matthew uh, 5, uh, 16 says, In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So being a light means that what we do is we're going out and we're doing good deeds. And when they see the things that we're doing, they know because of who we are, because when they look at us, they see Jesus, they go, oh, they connect that with who he is. So it's about his glory. Worship, service, all of that, that's about God's glory, not ours. We don't go serve so that the Christian community looks good. We don't go help people so that the Christian church looks good. We don't go help and do amazing stuff so that we look good personally or so that we feel good about ourselves. Those are, those are okay things, and they are. But we go because as we serve and as we love people well, as we you know, connect with the poor and, and we serve them and we tangibly you know, do things that help, that glorifies Jesus. That glorifies our Father in heaven. That's the goal of all of this. <laughs> it's not just to have you know, this nice little place where we can go and feel loved and warm and fuzzy, which is a great thing about Sunday mornings. I love coming here and being with you guys. And, you know, and throughout the week, hanging out with coffee or in small group or wherever it is, you know, those are great times for us to be together. But God wants us to go out and be a light to our community and not just enjoy those warm, fuzzy feelings. You guys give me warm, fuzzy feelings. Wow. Some of you are going, I don't want to have warm, fuzzy feelings. So our good deeds, what are those? Loving and serving the people around us to bring glory to heaven. So, you th- or glory to God in heaven. You think about that. It's like, what can we do to invest in our community? How can you use your time, your energy, your resources, your influence to prosper Yakima? The earlier scripture in Matthew where it says that, you know, you put a light on the stand so that it gives light to everyone in the house. It's not just for you. It's for everyone. And Yakima is like our house, right? It's our community. These are our people. And when I say Yakima, I'm kind of like chunking in the lower valley too. because <laughs> One, because I live there. But, uh, you know, it's just this is, this, is a, this is a rather large, greater Yakima area. And we are a people. And we have all kinds of ups and downs as a community. We have all, I mean, there's a whole gamut of people who live here, right? But we're called to be a blessing and to prosper our community. So that's what being a light means. It's like, what do you have as an individual? Who are you as an individual? And how can you take that and leverage it for our community and for the prosperity of our community? And sometimes you might think, well, I don't have much to offer. Well, he also says that we have the ability to pray. Continually praying for and let the words coming out of our mouth be blessings towards the things and the people around us in our community. 
How often do you rag on Yakima? Stop it. <laughs> Yakima is known for years as the armpit of Washington. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> but I know there's problems in Yakima. There's a lot of issues in Yakima. I get that. But we can, even with our words, speak blessing into this community. We can acknowledge the things, yes, there, there, is, there is domestic violence here. There are gangs. There is drugs. There is all kinds of corruption. There is, you know, racism. We have all kinds of stuff here. But how can we speak life into that? How can we not agree with the enemy about, oh, Yakima is a, is a you know, a dumpster fire or whatever. You know, it's a really horrible place to live. And how can we start saying, I'm going to, through prayer, speak blessing? So if nothing else, you can prosper this community by praying for peace and the prosperity of God to flourish here. That's what we need to do. Another one is seeking the lost and the lonely. Being a light and seeking the prosperity is where you bring the love and presence of Jesus Christ, that light who you are, and you go and you actually seek people who are lost and lonely. Which you, don't, you, you could probably stand in your front yard and throw a rock and hit, you know, <laughs> hit a lonely person almost. It's, they are everywhere. We've said this so many times here. There's an epidemic in our country and worldwide. This isn't just here of people who are lonely. They're continually withdrawing. People are continually kind of siloing up into their own little worlds. And they're seeking fellowship and community. And as a church, we have this beautiful opportunity to let our light shine. And we have a community here of people that really, truly love each other. So how can we make that a place that's welcoming and inviting? And then go and seek people and invite them into that community. And like I said, invest your time and your resources in a way that helps the community to thrive and not just your own little world. Another way that we let our light shine is live differently. And this kind of goes back to the worship part and the, and the word part, that as it transforms us, we do become different people. We should become different people. If you, if you meet someone and then you spend a, a decent amount of time with them and say maybe eight months down the road, you know, you have a, they're, they're more than an acquaintance, they know who you are, and then they're surprised maybe after a year that you tell them, you say, hey, I'm a Christian. They're like, what? <laughs> That's not a good sign. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> if they can't tell that you're different because you are a follower of Jesus, maybe you need to reevaluate where your faith is at. And I, I say that to all of us. We should be different. We should look different, not because we're any better, not because we're any more valuable, not because of anything other than if we allow God to transform who we are, that means we start looking more like Jesus. We should be different. We should look different. So not only do you guys give me warm, fuzzy feelings, but we're all different. We're all different. (laughs) We're all different. The Bible says this, you're a peculiar people. (laughs) This is what it says. But we should be different in how we look. We should be different in our relationships. I've had multiple conversations with people who at work have made an impact at work simply by apologizing. They did something wrong, even if they're a boss, whether they're a boss, employee, or a coworker, they did something wrong, and instead of trying to cover it up, instead of trying to hide it, and even if it was one of those gray areas where it's like, eh, it wasn't necessarily your fault, but you know what I mean? They took ownership, they owned it, and they apologized. That stuns people. Who does that? Well, the followers of Jesus do that. Because we're different. We're peculiar. (laughs) You want people to look at you and go, that guy's different. Hmm, gee, he's peculiar. 
because of how we act. And once again, it's not because we're any more valuable than anyone else or that we're better than anyone else. It's because we look more like Jesus, and that should manifest in how we, how we live. So our relationships should be different. Our hope should be different. What we hope in. If we hope in Jesus Christ, then it doesn't matter what happens around us. We shouldn't freak out. <laughs> we should be concerned. I'm not saying that. It's not like you stick your head in the sand. That's not what I'm saying. But our hope is not in our wealth. Our hope is not in our talents. Our hope should not be in our, even our relationships. Our hope should be in Jesus Christ. We should be the kind of people that can look at whatever's happening and say, um, let's, let's go to prayer. You know, let's take this before the Lord. It doesn't mean you're not afraid. I'm not saying that. There's a difference between being afraid and freaking out. <laughs> freaking out, you freak out when you have no hope. You freak out when your trust is misplaced. You freak out when your trust is in maybe your job and your job looks like you, or looks like you might lose your job. Should that concern you that you're going to lose your job? Yes. Should it absolutely devastate you? No. <laughs> because God is in control if we trust him. Matthew 24, 6 puts it this way. You will hear of war. This is Jesus talking to the disciples. He's talking about the end times. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. And then before that and after that, he, he talks about all of this horrific stuff that's going to happen. But in the middle of that, he's saying, don't be alarmed. Don't freak out. So when we're out in the community and, and stuff happens, should, we just want to be the kind of people that does not freak out. What we want to do is say, hey, I know this is ugly. <laughs> I'm not excited about this either. I'm not excited about going through COVID again. You know, like I'm saying, you know, it's like, who would want to do that? Right? So when big stuff happens, it's okay to acknowledge it. But we need to say, but our hope is in Jesus Christ. That even in the midst of this, even in the middle of the fire, he will walk through us. So when people look at us, we should be different, even in our hope. And that's super important for us. So our relationship should look different. Our hope should be different. Our priorities, our time, all of those things should look different and be different. So then when we come... And when we bring this light, we're bringing the light of Jesus Christ and not us. And not us. All of this, living different and looking different and actually being a light, comes from the first two. It comes from allowing the word of God to shape us and renew our minds and worship to turn us into and transform us into the likeness of Jesus. So through all of this, when we're living in exile, when we're in a place, this is not home. It's not, it's not great, you know. <laughs> we have moments of greatness. There's things, you know, it doesn't mean that God's not moving. God's moving all over the globe, you know. He is continually moving. He's continually setting people free. He's continually doing miracles. God is amazing. But this isn't home. So as we live in exile, as we live in this place, as we live in anticipation of him coming back again, we need to be people who are transformed by the word of God, transformed by worship, reflecting his glory, and then bringing his light to our community, bringing his light to the people around us. That's how we live in exile. We increase. We prosper. 
and we prosper and pray for the prosperity of our community. That's what it means to live in exile. We need to be transformed by the word of God through the Holy Spirit and then to reflect the radiant glory of our Father to everyone around us. So I title this sermon, Radiant Transformation, because it's about the light of the world changing us and then that radiant light going out and changing what seems to be unchangeable. God's still in the, in the habit of doing miracles. <laughs> and someone giving their lives to him, someone surrendering to him, someone being saved, someone receiving the gift of salvation is the best miracle ever. And we need to keep fighting for that and for the people around us. Amen? So, don't turtle up. Don't turtle up. Don't get into your little happy, hard place and hide in there. And Let's go out. Let's be the light. Let's allow the light of Jesus Christ to transform us and then allow that light to go out and transform others. And then he will use us. He truly will. Um, going to take a left turn here. We're not going to do a song, Kevin. But I would like you to come up and just play the guitar. Yeah, sorry. How are your fingers? Are they okay? Yeah. Not really? Well, get over it. <laughs> I love you. Warm, fuzzy feelings. What I want to do is just give you a moment just to think about your area of influence, where you're at, your job, your friends, your family, your neighborhood, whatever it is, um, you know, the places you frequent. And uh, just want to give you a moment to ask the Lord first to, to transform you, continue to transform you, and then to transform those places that you're in. This, once again, another prayer time. I just allow you to pray. I just, just stay up on your own for this one, but just pray for, and maybe God will, if there's a specific person that comes to mind, you know, pray for them, but ask God to pour out his peace and prosperity on that person or on that place. Because what that means is you're asking and you're inviting him into that place and you're asking him to move in that place. And his peace and prosperity comes from the people in that place knowing him and surrendering their lives to him. And that place prospers because the spirit of the living God is there. And then it just kind of starts spilling out from there. So let's just take a moment and we pray for that.
Father, we do surrender our lives to you. We ask by the power of the Holy Spirit that you'd transform us into the likeness of Jesus and that you would send us out to be a light to this community and to the ends of the earth. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.